Last one to the party, a podcast where we check in with someone checking out a longtime classic for the very first time. Welcome and thanks for joining us. On this episode of Last One to the Party, Whiskey Business. A movie that when it came out took everybody by storm. I feel like everyone in my group of friends certainly saw it when it came out. We all remember the famous dance scene of Tom Cruise and his tidy whities and sliding across the floor to Bob Seger's old-time rock and roll. That's the notable image, but how many of us remember the entire movie? This episode, we're going to talk to Jessica Eason, who, in addition to being my wife, is also a writer on The Big Show Show on Netflix. She's an actor in The Babysitter's Club, possibly out by the time this podcast airs. And she's also the writer, producer, and actor in The Real Housewives of South Boston. We should have seen it at some point on VHS tape or on cable, but she just never did. And so she's watched it for the first time, and we get her insight on all things risky business. We frequently use unfair terms throughout this, so I apologize in advance. I think there's more appropriate terms, but we just neglected to take advantage of those, and so we apologize in advance. Let's get started with a look at Risky Business. All I know is the famous scene where he's in his underwear. Everyone knows that scene, right? They show it in every clip, and the Bob Seger song, which when I was in sixth grade, we did a bouncing ball routine to, is our sixth grade uh, gym show. That sounds like a compelling routine. (laughs) Sixth graders, yeah. only bouncing balls? Yeah. Like to not- take those old records. Well, we would bounce in one hand, right, and then left four, and then I think maybe back and forth. I don't know why. We also did, like, <laughs> we also did dances in gym class we had to perform where we would, like, do, like, not a waltz. We had to, like, go down the thing and come back. Like, was it not a prompt? Like a, like a square dance? Yeah, kind of square dancing. It was more of what you said before. Going into this movie, you knew, so that's the, what I knew. You knew the Bob Seger song, uh, that, and him that in his underwear. underwear dance. Yeah. If someone had, you know, sunglasses, cor- his sunglasses, right? Weren't they huge? His those yeah, sunglasses. Yeah, Ray-Bans. Ray-Bans. If someone had cornered you at a party before having seen this movie and mm-hmm. said, "Tell me what you think risky business That's is what about," I what about. would you have guessed that it was about? About a young kid. I know he has a lot of sex with uh, what's her name, Rebecca Bynum. Yeah, that woman. I knew she was some kind of prostitute, but I thought it was going to be like them in love. I don't know, and having a lot of sex. I thought it was like a softcore movie. They had a fair amount of sex in the movie. Oh, I think they could have had a lot more. I was really disappointed <laughs> in the lack of sex. I kept being like, no one cares about anything else in this movie. The parents are away. Yeah, there should have been a lot more sex. Yeah. We should have seen it. To start with the basics, what would you? how would you sum it up, and what is your overall impression of this movie? It's real boring. I mean, this is going to be my, I think, my theme. White straight men can suck it. Not... You, honey. Thank you. Um, I love and not, you. And not Tom Brady. Well, not, I love Tom Brady, but only on the football field. He has questionable politics. Very questionable. He's not smart. He is football smart. I'm getting off topic. He's a brain. He's a steel trap of a brain for football, but everything else is a little like, dum, dum. bless his heart. I, I just, I didn't care. Like, it was just, I don't care about these white rich kids. And I don't think I would have cared about them if I saw it when I was younger. Like, I would have been like, oh, these are the guys that never would have liked me in high school. It was stunning how slow. Oh, my God, so slow. By the time we get to the third act, it's I'm struck by how much all of this could have been condensed into the first act. Yeah, it should have been a half-hour movie. 
so a much, lot more sex. So much more the movie could have been about him running the whorehouse and then having to fend off Guido. Or the but, movie should have been about her. She's yeah. the interesting character, not him. He's so boring. Oh, it's so hard for him to be rich and not get into Princeton. And then, by the way, he gets into Princeton because the Princeton guy fucks women at his house. All right. Which, you know what? Is true. That sounds <laughs> that right. What White That's men helping other white men get laid and paying for it. Getting them their favors. There you go. Yeah. So it rings on, true on in that way. On brand. Well, the one scene, and it's so painfully deep and late into the movie, yeah. but it struck me as, oh, this is actually darker than they're really going into, which is when she says something about them being the same age. Yeah. And so that means she's a high schooler who's hooking. Well, they have that whole scene when they're at the, outside the dad's car and she's like, let's really talk. And then she says, was her stepdad yeah. was molesting her or trying to? Hitting on I'm her like, quote. well, hitting on her, which we all know what that, we all know what that means. That's what I was like, this movie should be about her. And then they have random, remember that scene at the end with, what's his name? It's not Joey Pants. We're calling him that. But, Joey Pantaleone. Yeah. But I don't Joey know, Pants. I don't know what his name is in the movie. Oh, Guido. Guido. Yeah. Which, great name. Great name for the Italian-American actor playing Ugh, the pimp. Gross. Why do they just call him Mario the Plumber? It was so <laughs> stupid. He's at her apartment. This is near the end. And there's all these like dance pictures of like ballerinas. And I'm like, did she want to be a ballerina? Is that what they're trying to tell us? Like that was her lost dream? But all this to say, that's what I wanted to care about was this poor woman that has to run away from her stepdad that's trying to molest her. She just says, my brother goes to school. Yeah. So like, what's that story? And then that one scene was the most interesting part of the whole movie. And then she just like, gets mad at him for no, some reason. Well, because he doesn't, he doesn't answer her in any way that has any empathy, which I actually also believe because he has, he's been raised he's by two robots and incapable. he's, he's incapable. And so I actually like that he missed her. I think that should be a miss. But then like, let's follow it up. There's no depth. They, obviously, men wrote this movie. It's like this woman that seems to not care that she has to f- show up at people's houses and have sex with them at 17. And then she just ropes all her friends into having sex with them. And then, But she's going to split the money with Tom Cruise. Why would they ever give him money? Like at the be- when Joey Pants comes. Well, they're using his house. He should get a cut. Yeah, but not 50%. Whatever they gave him. That made me mad, too. It's like these women are smarter than that. Women are smarter than that. And then she's afraid of Joey Pants, right? And she runs, and they go on the Porsche and whatever, and she's going to give back the mom's stupid egg. What's the other thing, like when Joey Pants shows up at the house, and they're like, oh, you better not be working for him, meaning Tom Cruise's character. And he's like, no, they don't. And they're like, maybe we won't work for him. And when the other hooker is like, oh, I'll give you a cut because it's your house. I'm like, why would they, these women are smarter than this? They don't have to give him a cut because they're not afraid of him. These are entrepreneurial women. Like, come and on. this all starts because he owes her $300. Yes. I thought it was strange. Oh, how when she walks in the house and just has just sex with him in. and doesn't get her money. So she's the dumbest prostitute on the planet. Yeah. And also, what was that scene where she just walks into his house and then also is wearing absolutely nothing on under her dress? No. Easily autumn in Chicago. (laughs) Yes. I felt there there were some really interesting shots in the movie. When he's having- Hard disagree. When they had the fantasy scene where they're telling him, get off the babysitter, and they pull back and they're looking through the blinds at the cops looking at him and their heads are silhouette. Like that was- To me, it was like fake, fake tourism. Yeah. I feel like they watch other people that do it better and we're like, throw that in. I was like, all right. I wasn't buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I also noticed it stood out like a sore thumb, and I don't think it did at the time, that moody score by Tangerine Dream, which is music that I think you would yeah. never gravitate towards listening to on your own. It's kind of like Mike Mann 
type stuff, though. Like how Michael Mann it's, does that in his movies. Very, but it works in his movies, very I Very early 80s synthesizer, yeah. repetitious yeah, kind synth. of mood music. And it, It's very dark. It's very dark, and it also kind of felt like it helped prolong the movie and make it feel <laughs> slower, if that's even possible. Well, they're probably just using it as filler because they had nothing else for these people to say, these dumb asses. And all his friends are horrible to him, yeah. and they just use him, and they don't care. And then that one guy with the curly hair who's not attractive is getting laid all the time. And then his friend from Moonlighting, from Revenge of the Nerds, is like smoking a pipe. I'm like, who are these assholes? Yeah. But then maybe they're just the rich white assholes that live in outside Chicago. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. But I hate them all. So. I couldn't believe, and I'd forgotten so much about this movie and forgotten how painfully dull it is. Yeah. That our friend from Moonlighting, yeah, <laughs> he has that speech with him, which is uh, ostensibly to set up Joel's character. Yes. Where he says, sometimes you got to just say, what the fuck? Yeah. And that lead, leads to opportunity and that leads yes. to whatever whatever that speech is. That Entrepreneurial, Entrepreneurialship? Yeah. So it's supposed to lead to that thing. And then he does it. And then it leads to the, the, the basically that inciting incident of the egg being stolen. And he says, I didn't think you were going to listen to me. Or just completely absolves himself of yeah. any responsibility yes. for it. Yes. That's just also like not strong in terms of like how we get all of these guys moving in the same direction. It's yeah. like everybody, it's that, it, you know, to draw from the world of improv, like every character in this movie is saying, no, I'm not going to go with you on that yeah. journey. Yeah. No, until no. he's trapped in the backseat of the of the Porsche. Of the Porsche. I, I agree. And and I just back to that whole thing of like, oh, he's going to be this entrepreneur and he his best moneymaker is on the backs of women. Gross. No. He didn't make anything. He didn't create anything. He's using people just like the white man does. The yeah. dance scene, that famous dance scene to oh, yeah. Old Time Rock and And I'm going to go back to the sex scene in a minute. Like, what is your takeaway on that? It's probably the best. It is the only part of the movie. I get why they show it over and over again because it's. I'm not. I'm not a big Seeger fan, but like that song is catchy. He's running around having a good time by himself. He's a cute dude. He's not like really my type. I mean, he's my type in Top Gun. If we're talking Top Gun, Tom Cruise is my type. He got but, rid of the baby fat in Top Gun. Yeah, he's real chiseled in Top Gun. His face is chiseled. It's nice. All that to say, like, I think it's cute. I, I get why they show this. It's very dynamic. It's fun. You think, oh, this kid's on his own and. That is like the best scene. That's I, that's that's how I felt about. It. I remember seeing that and yeah. feeling that moment in that movie was the defining scene. Yes, the moment where mm-hmm. you're just like, oh man, that was amazing. Yeah, that was so funny. That was so perfect. That just typified how you f- would feel if your parents were away. Mm-hmm. And in watching it again this time, I thought there's so much that's lame about this. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's so white that he's dancing to Bob Seger. Yeah. Of all the artists around in 1983, he's dancing to a Bob Seger song from 1978. Oh. That's weird that it's yeah. this older song, and it's also so white. And it also seemed so tame now. It didn't seem as dynamic to me as it felt at the time, And but it's become embedded in the culture as yeah. this dynamic it's moment. moment. Yeah. It's inarguable to, to start to parse But that. he's a lame guy, so what else would he be doing? Joel is lame. Yeah, that's a good. That's so, a really good point. He just happens to be cute. That's a really good. In point. In a sea of not cute, all his friends are not attractive. So there you go. So would you say that the dance sequence is the only part of the movie that you liked? Yeah, and then I guess the second part would be like the softcore porn, which doesn't make sense in the movie. Like it's like twofold. Like when she comes in and doesn't 
get her money, which she would get her money. She's not wearing any underwear or a bra, which I feel like she would do that if she was at her own place. I don't know. I just feel like, she, can't she have underwear on? She's hot as fuck. So, like, when they're having sex, it's like, oh, great. And I like that he moves the dress up and is all over her butt. Like, all that I'm into. She has real boobs that look great. God bless her 20-year-old heart, where how old she is. And I was like, okay, that's sick. I don't like when the window's all below open. It's like, I don't need that. I get they're all coming. I don't. That's the fake O'Tour shit that I'm like, we don't, you don't, you didn't earn that. But I'm like, oh, so they're going to have a lot of sex. It's going to be sexy. And then they don't. And then they have that weird sex scene on the train, which is not sexy, except for, oh, we'll talk about the music. They use so much music that we're like, do they pay for that? Phil Collins. Prince. They, Prince. They used Prince? What was the Prince song they used? The, I pointed, there was a dance music, I think it was dance music, sex romance. In the party oh, scene, oh. the door opens at one point when she's wheeling in the cot or something, and that's playing oh, in the background. okay. And they used Springsteen, which Hungry I was like, Heart. how yeah. are you getting Springsteen? I guess he didn't pay for it. Yeah. I mean, that's how, the movie's much older, but like Mean Streets, Scorsese didn't pay for any of that music, right. but that's how he could make it. Now, of course, he pays for it. But then the sex scene on the train is also iconic, and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. And then it's just, everyone's watching them. I love all the people, the black people in the on the train. They're like, these Being fucking white guy yeah. people. And I was like, yeah, get off. Get off. Don't, like, you have to come on my train. I'm coming home from work. I got to watch you two make out. Get the fuck off. I was like, has Tom Cruise got laid before? Because the beginning of that scene, when she's doing all you this You mean facial, in real life. I mean in real life. At that point I'm while filming calling him yes. Tom Cruise <clears throat> for that I'm reason. just being oh, from sorry. my own clarity. Because he is making no faces that make sense to me in sex world. <laughs> yeah. She's making a lot of sex faces where I'm like, I could believe that. And it's like- she is, he is thinking about, I don't know, what he had at Crafty. And then at the very end of it, he kind of makes a kind of, I, I he had one look. I was like, all right. The only thing he had going for it was the sex, and they don't do it at all. And not even enough. So there you go. So two other things stood out yeah. to me as being watchable. Joy Panaleone. He's fine. I liked how subdued and menacing he was when he comes to the house. Yeah. And he's just sort of like very calmly like, I hope we don't have a problem. Like all of that stuff. I thought rang true and sort of... I feel like he's going to pull a gun on that first scene on her and he just shows up at his house and doesn't do anything. They would have cut him. Even if they didn't hurt him, like... They would, I mean, they would have heard him. They wouldn't have killed him. So he would be like, oh, I'm going to... This is, yeah, this is fucking serious. Yeah. So then I, this is what I'm saying to you. I was like, is Joey Pants really scary? Is he not really yeah. scared? Like, I didn't know where he felt. And to me, that's another bullshit part of this movie. They don't know what they're in. They just want to watch Tom Cruise be Tom Cruise, I guess, or this young kid, Joel. This young, white, entitled kid have this fantasy type, or like this, right, this this moment in his life where there's no consequences, which, of course, does ring true for white, straight, rich men. The other thing I liked, Bronson Pinchot. He was good. Now listen, I was like, this guy is working a lot in these 80s movies, and then he does Perfect Strangers. Yep. He makes a lot of money, and then like, where does he go now? Yeah, No, no. Maybe he's also like, I have so much money, I don't care. Yeah. I don't know. But, he does a thing when, yeah. when they're really committing to turning his parents' house into a whorehouse. Yeah. When the girls come in one by one, and he almost closes the door each time. Yeah, it's very funny. In another episode, we talk about him in in um, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop, where he does this real specific, mm-hmm. very perfectly executed. That to me is another thing like that, and I'm always yeah so enamored of people who can do that sort of like surgical precision comedy. Yeah, especially if it has a physical component to it. So those those two things were the only other things that were watchable. I think you feel like. Most of this movie does not hold up, but it to me no. it speaks to that genre of movies in the eighties that was so prevalent. It feels like of 
we've got to get these male virgins laid so that they can become men. Yeah. They seem to be so many movies like that. They yeah. all just kind of blend in together. Yeah, they do. But why was that the thing in the 80s that we've got to get these white dudes laid? I don't know. And the only person of color in the whole risky business is the 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 woman who comes at the top, who I think is a man. It also felt like, what? I don't know why they set that up. I was kind of like, well, are we going to pay that off? But then the next person he calls happens to be like a young girl his own age that he wants to bang. Like I'm like, if it's going to be that, if we're going to set up like a world of where he doesn't know what he's doing calling these call girls, would it be interesting to have him fuck a woman that's not his perfect, like, whatever. It's just such a male fantasy. It's just written in a male fantasy, male voice, and I'm just exhausted. Everything that happens is his own fault. At no yeah. point is he a victim of circumstance. How about he grabs own- the old woman, the nurse? <laughs> male toxicity. She does another great bit of comedy, though. When she's waving at him? He's trying to explain to her why this is an excused absence, and she's just head down writing, and he finally gets her attention, gets her to look up at him, and he starts to explain it, and then he says something like, my father's Porsche. Yeah. And she goes right back down and continues writing. That's a great little bit of physical No, it's very funny. Really funny. She's funny. funny, But I really was not into him laying hands on her at all. What's your big takeaway on this movie? movie, Skip it. Does this movie make you want to see any other movies similar to it? No, I am just 2020, don't really care about the white male straight journey. Sorry. I love Taxi Driver, which is a male, white male journey. I get it. Goodfellas? Goodfellas. Listen, Scorsese spoke to me as a young child. I think if I came to him at my age now, I probably wouldn't, but they're so embedded in who I am that I, and I so attached (laughs) to Travis Bickle, I so attached to like, the, the people, but the women in some of these movies are actually in Scorsese movies have depth to them. They're not just boobs. Listen, True. are they the whole thing? They're not, it's not about their journey, but they certainly are full human beings for the most part. Um, and these movies are not. These are like Rebecca, they give Rebecca de Mornay that one scene, which is could be interesting, and then she just doesn't care anymore and she just wants to wear a fancy hat and like roll rented, uh, cots into the house which I guess someone just came and took away and then his whole ridiculous thing where he puts all the house back together in under 40 I mean it's just so stupid and then the mom's so mad about the egg you just hate the parents like who cares how repressed are those parents oh my god so repressed Joel I hope we understand each other Ugh. it was that thing on a checklist of watching movies of like oh god don't ever talk to your kids that no. way never become that thing never become that thing never become that thing where whatever Possession that you adore is more important than your children. Than your children's well-being, but but also don't talk to them like they're two levels below you at the corporation you work at. Yes, it was like a very corporate talk. Oh. And his dad just keeps shaking his hand. I know until the very end. The he gets into Princeton. Very end. He gets into Princeton and he shakes his hand first. Yeah, and then he finally yeah. hugs him. Yeah. So. So upsetting. Well, that's just, again, I mean, from the East Coast, it's very, I mean, I guess it's Midwest, but very white. Yeah. Um, I maintain that there are still many white male stories that need to be told, have to be told. Well, maybe we'll find one. And we need to we need to keep exploring those movies. There haven't <laughs> been enough made that are saturated. You don't think so? No, there's okay. more nuanced versions of the white male American experience that need to get Name out Name one there. we've seen recently. <laughs> That we've seen recently? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, we've seen... I mean, the only one I kind of, like, recently we've seen and uh, was Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but everything else that comes out, 
when I think of like the people that have won best actor, best actor, um, if they are white males, they're usually recently they're movies that I don't care about. Where I'm like, oh, it's about you not be, being able to feel. I'm so done. I'm so done with your masculine toxicity. I can't. I just don't care anymore. To sum up, risky yeah. business. Skip it. Huge disappointment. Yeah, if you have to see it, just watch. Literally watch the dancing, and you 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 need nothing else. Yeah. Watch it's- Top Gun twenty billion times. It's ten times better. Thank you once again for joining us on Last One to the Party. You can follow Jessica Eason on Instagram at jessica.eason.agency. She's launched a brand new agency that's breaking new ground, casting for shows that maybe have already been on the air and might be coming back. Who knows with this quarantine? You can follow me on Instagram at james underscore eason underscore music. I play a song of the day in tribute to the pandemic and the quarantine. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Last One to the Party Podcast. You can find us on Twitter by searching Last One to the Party, and you can send us an email to Last One to the Party Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you'll join us again next time. The show is produced and edited by me, James Eason. The theme song was composed by me, James Eason.